This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. Usually this time of year, R and I are at the site of the Super Bowl, which is here in Los Angeles, and we were, or would be, getting ready for the Hall of Fame vote the day before the game. But we've already had the Hall vote. We had it last month, January 17th to be exact. And then, of course, there's COVID. So the two of us are home, just like you, waiting on this week's Hall of Fame results, which are, will be announced this Thursday on the NFL Honors Show. So... Ira, I know we've dealt with this before in the show, but there's been talk of resuming the in-person meeting. I'm not so sure if it's the day before the Super Bowl, but certainly in person, not by Zoom. And in fact, if you remember, President Jim Porter, Hall of Fame President Jim Porter was on this very show uh, three weeks ago after that Hall of Fame vote, talking about it, saying that he actually favors in-person voting. How about you? Clark, I'm already looking for cheap hotels in the Phoenix area. (laughs) Um, and you don't have to tell me there ain't any, Ira. There ain't any. Uh, first of all, it's hard to book a year in advance. And even if right. you find a place that you can, the NFL's got them all rounded up, Clark. You know, the Marriott's, uh, the, this and that, forget about it. Uh, if you manage to find one, it's going to be 450 a night. So, uh, Clark, I, I might be staying in Vegas and uh, making a seven-hour trip. How do you like that? Yeah, I, I like it. Maybe you could find uh, some place where Kyler Murray's staying. He might have an available residence next uh, next January. Yeah, what's going on over there? Buck fans are Buck fans are already thinking about him. Oh, please, please. Anyway, are you optimistic to still carry? Do you think the, the room will vote this way? Do you think the room will side in the, the favor of in-person voting? I do. You know, some will look at it as an inconvenience. Um, but um, I think it's a better meeting, and uh, for that purpose, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm hoping to see you in person, Mr. Judge, next year. I'm looking forward to it, so maybe we could charter a group bus from Las Vegas to Phoenix. How about that? Yeah. Anyway, um, well, this is the first time in nearly 40 years, I think, that, that I've missed back-to-back Super Bowls. Now, I know you were in Tampa last year, already, yeah. I mean, at the game for the Brady Fest. What's the last Super Bowl you missed? The last one I missed, oh, geez, I think would have to be like um, 1999. I mean, it's a long stretch. Right. I mean, a long stretch. Um, so it was the year before the Ravens. I guess it was, um, I guess it was the Rams. The Rams. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the yeah. Rams victory over Tennessee. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, do you do you miss being there this year? I do, but uh, Clark, I got to tell you, and, and you uh, you back me up on this. Um, starting about five years ago, when I walked in that media workroom, Clark, <laughs> I didn't know a soul. Yeah. I didn't know everybody's twenty two years old. 
and they're all digital. And uh, guys like our guests today, Mike O'Hara, they're they're uh, you can't find them, Clark. You yeah. just can't. Yeah, I was going to say welcome to the club. Just get in line. Well, somebody who's not going to miss this year's game in L.A. is quarterback Matthew Stafford who spent 12 years trying to get there in Detroit, then was traded last year to the Los Angeles Rams. And voila, just like that, he's taking Tom Brady's place Sunday. Now, a lot of people are talking to him and about him this week at the Super Bowl, but few know him as well as today's guest, whom you just referenced, Ira, and that would be former Lions beat reporter, Mike O'Hara, now a contributor to DetroitLions.com. Mike, first of all, thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Ari and I have known you not for years, but for decades. <laughs> and uh, secondly, well, I guess I'll ask you firstly, do you miss, you miss the Super Bowl? Because you're not there this year. But, I mean, do you miss going to the Super Bowl or not? Yeah, I sort of do. Yeah. I mean, the last one I went to was the 2008 game, the 2007 season. And I was back once more in Indianapolis, but as a that voter was, for the Hall of Fame. That was I a good drove one. down on like, Friday afternoon and drove home right after the game. Cost me a hundred bucks to park at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. But uh, do I miss it? Yeah, I like it. It's, it's you know, it, it's a hassle. It's, it's a pain. Uh, but it's it's sweet pain. It really is. And when it's all over, kind of sit back and go, that was a hell of a year. Really yeah, well, I, I mentioned that you cover the lines, and you did for, I think, something like 34, 36 years, you know, over three decades. And, and now you're working for DetroitLines.com. But from my calculation, you covered, I think, 11 different head coaches, a lot of quarterbacks, an 0-16 season. And over 500 Lions games, I think well over 500 Lions games. So my question is, where did Matthew Stafford fit in among your memories? What can you tell us about him? Well, as a guy and a person and all that, he'd be in the top five or eight or whatever. I mean, whatever the elite group is, you know, they talk about, for example, at the Hall of Fame, there's a separate shelf for the, you know, the absolute elites and all that. I'm not that there really is, but they talk about that way. He's up there. As, as a player, and even more importantly to me as a person, he was just just wonderful to deal with. He really was. And not, not a softie or anything like that, but just right. just good. Just whatever the word good is, he was good. Well, Mike, my, my feeling is, and I and I have shared this before, that no one this week is under as much pressure as Matthew Stafford. In, in Detroit, I think he had the reputation of a guy who threw for a lot of yards, uh, touchdowns, but didn't win a lot of games and certainly didn't win titles. Uh, he was brought into LA not just to get to a Super Bowl, but to win a Super Bowl. And, and now he has that opportunity. You agree with that assessment that the pressure is really on him well, more than anyone else there? Oh, absolutely. And I think he likes it. I, I think it's he's I think he's exactly where he wants to be underneath under the gun. I and mean, that's probably one of the reasons that he was has always been so good in the last minute or minute and a half or whatever it is. But those 40-something comeback wins now, playing in Detroit <laughs> contributed to that because you got to get behind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> come from behind. It's kind of the way it works. But uh, absolutely, uh, ice cold and, and pressure. You know, I've got a, I've got a th my own theory on that. You know, he's been talked about about the interceptions he gets. Well, he throws a lot too. But, but I think the fact, I think what, what's in his DNA and what is in his veins and all that, the same reason he gets interceptions is the same reason 
he's able to bring the team back because it doesn't bother him. I'll throw it in that tight window, whatever we call it these days. So are they still windows now? There used to be openings when I started. Out. Yeah, I think they're windows. But in these windows, I love that. <laughs> we have Venetian blinds here on our on our team. <laughs> but uh, that 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 same you know, that same ability to throw the ball, you know, into tight spots is why 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 it doesn't bother him. I'll throw the next one. Can you throw it through those Venetian blinds? <laughs> I keep mine closed for good reasons. <laughs> Mike, I was doing a little research on, on your favorite football team. Um, and, and here's a little stat, uh, Mike, that I don't believe will be on lions.com in the next couple of weeks. But uh, oh my God. Mike, is it true, Mike? Is it really true that the franchise has not won a playoff game since 1991? Is that true, Mr. O'Hara? No, it's not true. Mr. Kaufman, what's true is that they have not won a game since the 1991 season, but they actually won that game in January of 1992. So don't sell us short. <laughs> I feel so much better, Ira. <laughs> Mike, along those lines, um, you know, looking at him from afar, like Clark and I, Dan Campbell is kind of a guy that we can get behind a little bit in terms of a guy that you root for, um, a, a guy that uh, really tells it like it is. Uh, Mike, what's your confidence level in, in Campbell going forward? Well, I always said that when you bring in a coach, the odds are against you. So that if you're going to bet that they're going to fail, the odds are on your side. And obviously, he's taken over a team that really hasn't, hasn't done an awful lot that's good in the last whatever years, decades, centuries, millenniums, whatever, whatever we're into right now. But I think he has something that you need to be a leader of, of uh, men, women, people, whatever it is. And that's the ability to stand in front of a room and get your, you know, get across your message to people, hold their attention and get them to do things that they might necessarily not want to do, but they know it's the right thing to do. And so I think you see that in him and Dan Campbell. And I think you see that in the members of his staff, like Aaron Glenn, who was up for the uh, New Orleans Saints job, got interviewed, I think did very well in that interview. Deuce Staley, guys like that as assistant head coach. It, it goes, it, it's, it, it runs through that staff. And I think it starts with Dan Campbell. And I think it's one of the reasons that he really has a good solid chance to, to succeed here in Detroit. Now, what is, you know, what is succeeding? I guess in a lot of cities, they call it winning the Super Bowl. And Detroit, I think, let's, let's take a few steps here and, and see where, where, see where it goes. But I think I haven't, I haven't seen anything in his first year as, as, the, as the head coach that would tell me he can't make it. We're that's a start, to, by the way. I've seen guys from the opening day that you could tell by Marty Morningway, no chance. Absolutely no chance in 2001, the first time I heard him talk. You make that decision before or after he rode off on the motorcycle? Long before. <laughs> his opening press conference, as a matter of fact. Really, this guy's not going to make it. We're throwing through tight windows here with Mike O'Hara of DetroitLions.com. And Mike, I'm sort of wondering about Matt Stafford. How does Detroit view him now? Is Detroit rooting for him? Are they rooting for the Rams? Don't they care? Do they care to root against him? What's the feeling about Matthew Stafford one year later in Detroit? Well, I think he was more popular than, than, than most people would think. I mean, I don't think, for example... On game day at, at Ford Field, he wasn't booed the way Joey Harrington was mm -hmm. and some other guys was. The fans were behind him and cheered and all that. So the, I, it's not like he was – I keep hearing this phrase polarizing figure. Not sure what that means in sports, you know. 
I'm not talking about politics here or anything like that. We don't take a vote every, you know, after every first down and all that. But I thought, you know, a lot of the stuff we did in the community was 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 uh, was well, you know, well, uh, well regarded and all that. And you know, when anything good happened in Detroit in his 12 years here, it came out of his hand. So I don't, what's to, you know, what what's what's not to like about what he produced on the field? I'll give you just a little bit, a little statistic. In 2000 and uh, let's say the last three seasons without without Matthew Stafford, and he missed the last eight games of the 2000 season. I'm sorry, the 19 2019 season. Played all of 2000 and 2000, and then didn't was obviously wasn't here in 2001. The Detroit Lions are eight. I'm sorry, they've, they've won three games without him. Three games. So let's talk about his value, guys. Okay. <laughs> And you can add that up, by the way. It's three twenty-three and one, something like that. Oh boy, that's awful. Just something awful. like that. Well, I mean, that's something that we didn't know about him. But uh, can you tell our listeners something else about him that they either don't know or don't understand? I mean, you've covered him for his entire career in Detroit. You've got to know him pretty well. What's something that people really don't know about Matthew Stafford? Well, beyond the ability and all that, I mean, I've never seen a guy throw the ball like he does, and that's yeah. It's just a marvel. Look, I like to. I like to watch athletes do their thing, even if it's in practice. And one of the things about Stafford, I'd watch him throw just in, in practice, just warming up, throwing those deep outs just for the heck of it, because he could. And it reminded me, I don't know if you guys ever covered golf tournaments or, or watched mm-hmm. or whatever. You see just a really good golfer hitting those three iron shots and the ball just has that sort of top spin on it. I know it's impossible, but it's almost like his pass had the top spin on it. You could hear it. You'd hear it hum on the way by. That's just, it was, just, it was, honestly, it was just a joy to watch. It really was. You like watching a, a, a Steph Curry shoot free throws or something like that. You know, you're watching somebody who can do what he does at a very high level and do it for a very, very long time. You know, we're in Super Bowl week, uh, Mike. So I'm going to ask you about um, are there any uh, forces behind the scenes uh, in Motown that you're aware of to, uh, to get another game back in Detroit, what's the feeling from the community? Uh, and any push in that direction, Mike, at all? No, I haven't heard that. I know they've talked about maybe getting the draft and some of the other things that go. And there's other sports too. Look, we've had the NCAA Finals hockey tournament here at Ford Field. You know, they cordoned off a little, you know, a section of the stadium and and had the uh, NCAA hockey finals. We've had the NCAA basketball finals, stuff like that. Another Super Bowl just doesn't seem to be in the offing right now, but uh, there's been an awful lot of development here in downtown Detroit in the last few years since you guys were here. And it really, this is, it, it's it's really dramatic it, to the point where if you don't go downtown, say for like six or eight months, you can really tell the difference when you go. And I go down all the time. I'm just saying it's, 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 it's really has changed in the last, in the last 10 years, the last five years, and even the last two or three years. And Mike, I want to ask you about a coach that you got to know in Detroit. Um, Mike, the guy went 36 and 28 in four seasons. Yeah. You don't have to get 100 on your algebra test to know that's uh, an average of nine wins, Michael, which looks very good in the Detroit Lions uh, media guide. Um, Mike, uh, tell me a little bit about Jim Caldwell. Should he get another shot? Are you a little surprised he hasn't? Well, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm surprised or not because it's, it's, he's, he's been a head coach two other times already. He had three years in, 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 uh, with the Colts and four years in Detroit. But with, with, with Indy, he went 14-2, and 10-6, and, and then 2-14. and 14. But guess what? 
you know, oh, Andrew no Peyton Lockett, Manning, yeah. of course. Yeah, and then in Detroit, he had an 11 and five, a seven and nine and two nine and sevens. To me, that my math is correct. That's in seven seasons. He had five winning seasons. How many coaches do that? There really aren't. Uh, when he came into Detroit and, and uh, he took over a team that was really undisciplined and, you know, Jim Schwartz in the right 40s might have been five and things just sort of deteriorated on him. But then a matter of weeks, uh, Campbell had cleaned up that entire situation there, made people accountable, made players accountable. And Caldwell, Caldwell, not Campbell. Who, who did I say Campbell? I'm sorry, yeah. Caldwell. I get, them, you know, I get their names crossed all the time. Well, I do a lot of things crossed up these days. <laughs> but but he, he, really, he really made a difference. You talk about a man who changed the culture. He did it overnight. And he was beloved in that building by everybody when, when, from the moment he was there until the day he left. And people still still missing the players. But you talk about being a players coach. He wasn't soft on the players, but the players, you talk to this to this day, players absolutely loved playing for him. Let me tell you a Matthew Stafford story, okay? He got benched his second year, his second year with the, 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 the uh, Caldwell was the head coach, got benched just after halftime, had thrown like his third interception, absolutely fuming. I talked to him by his locker, you know, just back and forth. He says, I'll never forget this day as long as I live. Well, at the end of that season, there was, with the change in the, uh, hiring a new general manager, Bob Quinn, there was some talk about would, 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 Caldwell, would Caldwell be back? And I went to Stafford's lock, just talking. I said, hey, let me ask you something. Would a majority of the players be in favor of, Matt, of, of Caldwell coming back? And, and Matthew said, no, not a majority, a vast majority. He's an incredible coach to play for. This is the guy who benched him. That's what. That's the impression he made on people. That's how good he was here. That's how solid he was here. And when he left, I wrote that he was the only coach I've covered in history covering the Detroit Lions who left the team in better situation than when he got there. So make your own judgments. Mike, if you won a lot of games, which you did, and he had a vast majority of the locker room behind him, why is he gone? Why did they get rid of him? Well, it's also, I'm, I'm, I don't know why he hasn't gotten another job either. Now, I know it's hard to get the third one. It's hard enough to get the first one and the second one and the third one if you haven't won the third one. But he did get to a Super Bowl and really kind of strange. I, I don't know. I, I thought this, and I wasn't completely against let, letting him go. I, I thought that he might have gotten him as far as he could get him. You know, in other words, he had plateaued out with seven and nine, nine and seven, nine and seven. And the team just didn't seem to be getting any any better, maybe in some situations, uh, you know, just sort of getting free at the edges, sort of, mm -hmm. so to speak. So I, you know, I wasn't against it. I wasn't for it, though. But what they brought in to replace it, Matt Patricia, it, it just didn't work. That He could have coached for 100 years. It was never going to work. Um, take this conversation full circle, but I was on a radio show earlier this year, uh, earlier this, um, yeah, this year, but uh, earlier this week, actually. And the host asked me about Matthew Stafford and said, listen, he's got a lot of yards, got a lot of fourth period comebacks, touchdowns, everything. If he were to win this Super Bowl, would he be in a Hall of Fame conversation? Now, this is a Hall of Fame theme show. I was a voter, so am I. And I said, I don't really think so. I mean, I looked at won Pro Bowl, no all pros, uh, no all decade. But the fact of the matter is, if you get a Super Bowl win, that certainly does give you some credibility in that room from your vantage point if he were to win this super bowl and his career end 
in March. He steps away in March. Would he be a Hall of Fame worthy candidate in your mind? Well, he made a good point earlier when, I was, when, you, when you were talking about the Hall of Fame voters and how young they are now. Or you were talking about the guys covering the league, I should say, and yeah. how young they are now. And I think they look at things differently. And I, I, I think they forget him way back in 2019 what happened in the league. You know, years and years ago, three years ago, I don't pay much attention to it. And, and look, at guys like Warren Moon are in the Hall of Fame. He was one game over 500 for his career. Yeah. The quarterback you covered down with the uh, with down in San Diego was two games over 500 for his career. He didn't win anything. And right. so it, it depends on on a, on a moment in time and when you're up and who you're up against. Uh, for example, if if his career were over, let's just go 10 years into the future, and he was up this year with the cast that's available. It's not, not a stellar cast for the Hall of Fame. He probably would make it, but is it automatic? No, I don't I don't think it would be automatic. Now, if he wins two, that's different. Yeah, or that's right. Top five or something like that. But look, look at some of the guys and other, you know, Kenny, what's his name from, from um, the guy with all they, the interceptions with the Cincinnati Bengals? They, okay. Yeah. And he's in the Hall of Fame. He should be. He's, Ken Anderson, yeah. It's not, there's absolutely no doubt about it. You know, I'm talking yeah. about the defensive back, too, that Oh, oh, Ken Riley. Ken, Ken Riley, Riley. Yeah. yeah. He's fourth in the history of the league in interceptions. Why is yeah. he not in? So there's no reason to, there's no way to really predict it. And, and you know, my, I've always said, do people, does a certain guy belong in the Hall of Fame? I say their careers are working in the Hall of Fame. They belong, they belong and they deserve it when they get in. Well, so, on that note, I want to ask you about somebody who I think deserves it and belongs. And that's a former Detroit Lions coach. Surprise, surprise, Ari. We got to go way back. I'm talking about Buddy Parker. I mean, Buddy Parker put the Lions on the map, and then he put the Pittsburgh Steelers on the map. And to me, he was a logical choice for the centennial class and bypassed by two modern era coaches. And then was the logical guy for 2021, except he wasn't. And the logical guy for 2022 (laughs) And he wasn't the candidate. He wasn't proposed. When is Buddy Parker getting in? I mean, you certainly must have some thoughts about Buddy Parker. I think he's so Hall of Fame worthy. I don't know how he slipped through the cracks. Yeah, well, I used to be a voter, and I, I, I resigned that the day I – actually, the day I went to work for the Detroit Lions, I just thought there could be a potential viewed as a conflict of interest in voting. And then that's some guys try to talk me out. I said, oh, I just don't, you know, there's what, 45 voters? And if one of the 45 thinks there's a conflict of interest, then there is. Yeah. Uh, but the Buddy Parker thing, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And he's not the only, not the only old timer, so to speak, who whose career warrants being in there. But his is, and it's it's not even close, really. It is really isn't by any by the, any metric, any window, <laughs> any logic belongs in the Hall of Fame. You really should. You know, maybe if we could exhume him long enough to sell some T-shirts or something like that, some Buddy Parker T-shirts. Well, that's actually what hurts. I think that's what hurts Absolutely. because he's passed away, so they can't sell T-shirts or hats, baseball caps. Mike, I got one more for you. Always good to see you, buddy. Uh, Mike, when we get a guest on like you who's invested in a city and really you know, has a tremendous background of, of knowledge, I, I like to throw this out there, Michael. Uh, the old Mount Rushmore of Motown, and I'm going to give you my four, Mike. You tell me where I'm wrong. In no particular order. Barry Sanders, Gordy Howe, Al Kaline, Isaiah Thomas. Where am I wrong? 
you haven't missed anybody. You could add a couple, and if you know, we could add a wing to that to, to Mount Rushmore. You know, I would throw in there. Um, well, you can't, but I because I, I, nothing you said was wrong. But Joe Schmidt, I think Barry Sanders is the greatest player in the history of the franchise. Detroit Lions franchise. I think Joe is the greatest Lion because he also coached and he got the team into the playoffs and they won games. So I would just add that. But I, I cannot disagree with anything you said. What was it like covering Sanders, uh, Mike? What was your relationship with him? I just got a, a tweet from him at the Super Bowl yesterday, so I guess it was pretty good. Um, he said something. He said something about sorry, I did not see you out here this year, or something like that. Some people he was think great. he's an enigma, Mike. Some people think he's very enigmatic. Did you find? Well, him he's that just, way? he would no. He was his own guy, and and uh, he didn't seek attention at all. But I would, you know, we like Kurt Sylvester. Remember Kurt, Aaron Kowalski, sure. the other guys. Yeah. We'd cruise his locker, especially Kurt and I. We'd cruise his locker, and, and he'd sit and talk for 20, 30 minutes about anything. You know, it was just uh, Kurt and I, as a matter of fact, we had a, a cable TV show called Front Page Football, and Barry came on every single year and never took the never took the limo ride, drove himself. So one day we were kind of hanging around his locker, and he looked up and he goes, "For some reason, you gentlemen are walking back and forth in front of my locker." And he goes, yeah, we'd like you to come on this week. And he, as he always would say, I'll see you next week. And he stops. <laughs> All right. Did you get any invite to be on that show? Uh, Warren Sapp uh, offered to, uh, to drive me uh, in a limo to an unmarked uh, gravesite. <laughs> and you declined. That was a wise decision. Hey, and by the way, Mike, on that, that Mount Rushmore of Lions, I didn't hear George Plimpton's name. He didn't make the Mount Rushmore paper line. Well, you know what? We're waiting for the sequel. Ah, okay. We have to wait a long time, I think. Um, I've got one last Matthew Stafford question, and it's the obvious one. What do you expect from him on Sunday, and how do you see this game shaking out? Well, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. I really am. And, uh, I'm, I'm picking the Lions 28-20. My heart is in it. I'm not sure my brain is. Really not, but. I think he'll play. First of all, he'll play hard and he'll play well and he'll put up numbers and all that. Uh, but I really think he's going up against the best quarterback in the National Football League. Right really? Now. I would take Joe Burrow over anybody. And I've seen, look, I've seen, not just because of what happened a week ago, but I just saw, you know, Patrick Mahomes with that spinorama move and all that. And that goes, you know, look, he's a great player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame and all that. But I like Joe Burrow ahead of anybody playing right now. Don't mention that to Ian Linden. No, he just he just qualified it by saying anybody who's playing right now, because Ian and I start the conversation with Tom Brady and work our way down. Well, I think Tom Brady is just the greatest quarterback of all time, but is he the best? I mean, is he a better quarterback than Joe Montana and John Unitas? So I'd put those three. I think there's a difference between the best player and yeah. the greatest. Yeah. And and I also think it because again, this is a Hall of Fame themed show. Otto Graham gets short shrifted. I mean, Otto Graham played 10 years, 10 championship yeah. games and won seven titles. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know how people just go, oh, who, what? Uh, but well, anyway, because it didn't, it didn't happen yesterday and it didn't happen on TV. You know. Yeah, well, this didn't happen yesterday. It is happening today and we're not on TV. But Mike O'Hara, thanks so much for spending time with us. Always, always good to catch up with you. Uh, where are you going to be watching the game, by the way, on Sunday? I'm going to be sitting in front of my TV at home. I'm not allowing anybody in the house. I'm going to sweat this one out. Okay. <laughs> Can I just tell you something real quick? Sure. About, uh, about a month after the Stafford trade, you got sent out of town. I got a call from a guy that worked and he says, Hey, I got something to drop off at your house. You're going to be home. 
said, you just called me at home. What do you mean am I going to be at home? It's <laughs> something I'm going to drop off for you. I said, okay, whatever it is, you know, and we're good friends and all that. He dropped off something. It was an autographed football for Matthew Stafford. But it wasn't one of those corny ones. It had a little message on the side. Oh, wow. Mike O'Hara, thanks for everything you did. Thanks for helping me. Yeah. That's classy. Very classy. Yeah. How, much did, you, how, much, how much did you get for that on eBay, yeah, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I only thought about it. I didn't do it. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much, and good luck with Matthew Stafford and the Rams on Sunday. All right, guys. Hey, I hope I didn't talk too long. Thanks for having me. Not enough. That was Mike O'Hara, and I, I love catching up with him, but he's absolutely right when you talk about the Hall of Fame voting and, and younger voters. You know, the, the, the stats that Stafford piled up, that resonates with a lot of these guys. And you go, wait, wait a second. I mean, how many of these quarterbacks are we going to put in? One Pro Bowl? Wasn't all pro once? Wasn't all decade? I think it's the best of the best. He's a, he's a very good quarterback. I don't know that this does put him in any different conversation, whether he wins it or loses it. Do you? Well, he made a couple of good points, Clark, about other guys that have gotten in and, and um, you know, and, and didn't necessarily win. Uh, he didn't mention Fouts by name, but uh, I no, think he, he did. Yeah, yep, that's right. That's right. Whoa! They like that comment. Or, 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 wait a minute. Maybe it's I was there. I think it's our I was there segment. So you're up this week. Where were you? When were you? Clark, I'm going to continue with this Detroit and Cincinnati theme, and I'm going to combine it, my friend, because it was January 24th, 1982. Here I am, a young reporter, United Press International out of New York, going to the Super Bowls. And this one, the Pontiac Silverdome, Mr. Judge. Uh, (laughs) The Niners and Bengals, it was Cincinnati's first Super Bowl appearance out of now three. Your Niners lead 20-0 at the half with Joe Montana. They win the game 26-21. It was a big goal line uh, stand, Clark. Um, Cincinnati turned the ball over four times. But, Clark, what I remember, it was the first Super Bowl played in a cold-weather city. Yeah. And, Clark... I've got to tell you, the 49ers bus, which happened to have Bill Walsh and Joe Montana sitting in it, was stuck in traffic outside the Silver Dome because of snow and a VP motorcade with uh, George uh, Bush, the senior. And they show up 90 minutes before game time. And Clark, to top it all off, John Madden's. Super Bowl debut in the broadcast booth with Pat Summerall. I mean, that's tough to top, Clarky. That, that is tough to top, and, and it didn't seem to hurt the 49ers that day. However, I do remember members of the media complaining, surprise, right? Because complaining about that because their bus got stuck in traffic. And finally, this one bus, several of whom, uh, several members of whom were friends of mine, it got stuck a mile outside the stadium. They said, we got to get there. So they dropped them off and they walked through the snow for a mile to get to the stadium. And afterwards, that's all they talked about. Bitter cold, awful day. Oh, we hated it. We got to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Can you imagine, can you imagine Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, trumping through the mud and the snow? Okay. He might've been one of them anyway. Yeah, that was, it was a memorable day. Hey, our, our closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Um, Looking forward to the game, Clark, yeah. uh, going to a Super Bowl party. I think the Rams have better talent, but as Derek Brooks told me this week, Clark, 
it, sometimes it's the best team that day and the hot team is the Bengals. So he thinks they're a very lively underdog. I think the Rams have more talent. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I want to bring in Ian Glendon here because uh, I saw something this week that caught my attention. Tom Brady talking about retirement, now it's his retirement official, but he said, never say never. Yes, he did. And people jumped on that. What do you make of that? Anything? Uh, it, it, it's just torture for me. Just, you know what, at this point, you know, I, <laughs> I thought the show was torture. Well, for you. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I broke it down. I'm like, okay, realistically, like, you know, team building, he's going to have to let the Bucks know very soon what his intentions are. The reality of it is he could take about four months to make up his mind because that's when he really gets on the field with a new team is about four months from now. So you're saying there's a chance there could be, there could be. At least I'm hoping for it because I'm a, I'm a Brady sycophant. And then let me throw this at you. Rob Gronkowski talking about Joe Burrow and how much he loved seeing Joe Burrow play. And now people are saying, is he going to Cincinnati? I can't see it happening. I think he's gone. No Brady, no Gronk. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, I mean, he, I, I think he's a little bit more rejuvenated than he was coming out of 2019 for sure, or 2018. Um, so there, I, I wouldn't completely put it past him to play another year without Brady. But it would have to be in the right situation, and um, I'm not sure exactly what uh, the Bucks' plan is with him. And uh, is he a free agent or not? I, I yes, he is. Yeah, he yes, is. He so, is. so tech. Yeah, so he can pretty much make up his own mind. So, yeah, I, I, I could see him playing again. Clark, I'm with you. I, I think they're both uh, going to be done. Um, and Clark, it's an indication, and, and Ian's going to agree with me. Uh, Buck fans, they 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 don't want to think about a post Brady environment. Clark, they don't want to think about it. Yeah, well, we're with them because we're both going to be done today. We're finished right now, but not for this week because we're going to be dissecting the Hall's class of 2022, so don't miss it. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. This has been the eye test for two. Thanks so much for listening.